Alright you guys, welcome back once again to Little Man Big Conversations. I am of course the Little Man, aka James, aka the Flashman, welcoming you back for another episode. This week, we'll be continuing it on with Ava Arachne, the part two of her interview. But before we get to that, I just want to take a moment and say thank you so much to all the people that voted and all the people that listened in to the episode where I spoke about the 80s saving me and answered your Q&A's. You guys, gotta give you guys props. That was some very interesting Q&A's. I really appreciate you guys sending those in and I hope that my answers were sufficient enough to make you happy. You were happy with my answers and hell, you know, if you were happy with my answers, maybe we'll do it again one day. Who knows? But until that time, enjoy part two my interview with Ava Arachne, and I'll catch you at the end. Okay, so you have, you've got the Batlog safety in play. Um, yes. So just to rewind time again, 2013 you start shooting. Did, was it 2015 that you get your first set published on the site? I think it was – I think technically it was published in 2014 and it was purchased in 2015. I could be wrong right. on that, though. It was a while ago okay. now. But I All think right. that was the case. So you're, are you shooting throughout those whole years until that first set goes up? No. I pretty much shot my first SG set, dumped on the website, and waited for something to happen. Okay. Um, yeah, That's a long time I, to wait. It It is. I, um, I did – it was – Gosh, I can't remember if it was after or before my first set came out, but I, I hadn't really, like, obviously I said I joined because I, I was aware of there being a community involved, but I didn't really become a part of it until there was a shoot fest. So anyway, my set would have come out. There was a shoot fest in mid-2015, and I had someone reach out to me. Um, she is actually a staff photographer for the site mm-hmm. now, I believe, um, Atlantic Lungs. She's fantastic. Uh, she reached out to me and said, hey, there's a shoot fest. I'd love to shoot you during this shoot fest. And I was like, what, what's a shoot fest? Yeah. Because um, yeah. I, I had no idea what was going on. But I, I said yes. And I went to this house in sort of mid-2015, um, just outside of the city. And it was a beautiful place. Um, and I'll just kind of to – I guess what a shoot fest is, probably a good place to start there um, – it, it tends to be how a lot of suicide girl sets, at least in Australia, get shot. So we do have a really lovely community and we, someone, usually a photographer, will cho- pick a place that they would like to shoot that would fit a bunch of girls in it. And they go, cool, okay, we're going to basically split the cost of like a nice Airbnb, a nice hotel, whatever. Um, and then we all set times, rock up and take photos in it and hang out. Um, okay. It's really cool. So I went to my first one of those in 2015 and it was probably the first time I felt like any sort of sense of community anywhere ever (laughs) wow Um, so just not so so long ago not that long ago yeah but it's it's been like a what's five years it's been a it's been a big five years like I I would consider a a lot of the people who were in that house that day my family now there are some that I've I don't know where they are because that's the nature of any community with hundreds of people in it people go in and out but yeah yeah. Right. So you have your first shoot fest, which which sounds like a a big suicide girl, uh, big brother moment. Like everyone's on the one roof, yeah. everyone's doing their individual sets. You're doing some combined stuff. Um, yeah. So you get you get in that out there. Was this off the back of having your your first set published, or did this come just before it got published? 
I believe it was just after. It would have been within right. – either way, it would have been within a couple of months. And, like, it was as a result of the shoot fest that they kind of – they kind of absorbed me into the community, I guess. <laughs> right, I guess okay. someone, the powers that be of that community at the time, decided that I was a decent human and that, <laughs> that I should be included in things. So it's like initiation. Um, yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, right. And I know now that that's kind of, it's kind of what it is. Like when we, we do shoot fests and we invite people and people who are interested can come and sometimes things just click with, with anyone, like, you know, and you, you find a friend in the community and then you're just kind of in. <laughs> yeah and so that was that was that for me I guess yeah all right so you've had your initiation process you've done the you've done the shoot fest coming out of that where are you at now are you because you mentioned before that you had a, a couple of uh university experiences under your belt yes <laughs> were you back at studying at this point or was there was it was model still like um, full steam ahead 20, 2015 2015 yeah. I was actually I was don't tell me you went back to McDonald's no um yeah. I I finished at McDonald's in 2012 so a little okay. while back <laughs> yeah good yeah um I thought about it, it I thought I definitely thought about it because I was like I know how to do this job I could just work at Macca's um <laughs> definitely a thought process that happened yeah. but no I had um at that point I had decided that hairdressing was not not the right place for me um and I was at TAFE actually doing a cert three in phlebotomy super different right now where does where does one go from literature to phlebotomy am I saying that correctly yes yes so um I so I'd kind of I had some time off working and I'd been thinking about it and I kind of in my head knew that I I was working at a cafe at the same time actually um, I was managing an espresso bar in the city, but right. I wanted to go back into study. Like I loved my espresso bar, but I wasn't, I, I'm someone who really likes to learn. I love learning. I always want to keep learning. And if I'm not learning, I feel very stagnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I wanted to go back to study. I looked at some sort of medical stuff and the pathways were just kind of too long for anything surgical. I kind of was like, well, I'd love to be a surgeon, but it's going to take like 14 15 years wow um and I couldn't I couldn't imagine doing that at that point good on anyone who chooses to obviously it's never too late but I did feel like it was for me um so phlebotomy was just kind of like well this is something that's kind of interesting it's kind of in the medical field um and then I would have extra points essentially to use towards other university pathways so that was kind of my thought process with that one right so how long did you end up doing any prac work with that? Because the prac yes, work involved in that is like blood tests, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So um, phlebotomy is, yeah, obviously it's like blood collection, blood and specimen collection. So yeah, I worked in like a little QML clinic for a little while, um, just taking blood and, and all the gross things. So blood and urine and poop and pus and everything disgusting wow. that comes out of a human. <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> all the fun stuff. Yeah. all the fun stuff i'm not a squeamish yeah. person at all even oh, a bit. Yeah. so yeah. that's totally fine for me but yeah all right yeah. So, so i did that for a little while while i was while i was getting into sg while okay. also working at a cafe yeah wow so you're a jill of all trades at this point you're doing the cafe the blood work and you're getting yourself out there as a model so yeah. you're that hey in a four-year time span that is man that's going to be commended because that is a huge turnaround <laughs> I always, when people have asked what jobs I have, I feel like, I'm like, should I cut some out? Because I went through so much in such a short period of time and I didn't even realize what I was doing. I was just kind of going with whatever, 
whatever I decided in that moment. And it ended up just being a lot of jobs in a very short time span. Yeah. So before we get into 2016, because 2016, a big change, big positive very, change very comes big. your way. Yeah, absolutely. But just for the people listening to the podcast, and speaking of hairdressing, mm-hmm. is this where the the concept of the now ever look was born? Did you experiment with your hair at that point? Because I remember a long time ago when you were first starting out, I remember seeing that you had blonde hair. I was blonde, yeah. Yeah. So but- the blonde was actually a departure from colored hair. I um I have had colored hair for a really 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 long time. Okay. I um like I said I like wasn't wasn't a rebellious kid, but I also had a mother who loved colored hair and wanted to live vicariously through me. Okay. Um so I had like neon orange hair when I was like 12. What? Um yeah. So I, wow. I started dyeing my hair when I was very, very young. And then I had purple hair, purple and black hair through most of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I had blue hair when I started hairdressing and I kind of went blonde to fit more in with like the luxury hairdressing kind of area. Mm. I, I felt like I stood out a bit too much. So the clothes calmed down. I stopped looking as gothy. I got more into mainstream fashion. Um, and yeah, I ended up going blonde, which was really fun. Um, I didn't think I like, I'm, I'm half Italian. My hair is very dark naturally. I didn't think blonde was an option, but it worked. Right. Um, so yeah, no, I, colors were much before that. And it kind of 2016, I was when I went back to colored hair actually more than anything. Cause right. I kind of had broken, I felt like I had kind of broken free of, needing to look stereotypically hot in that way I okay. guess yeah so, so you had the blonde hair at that from that whole point from around 20 20- oh I had blonde hair for like four oh, from like 2012 or 2013 through right. to 2016 it was blonde or you know a bit pastel or blonde with some streaks in it or whatever okay. yeah so it was 2016 I want to say the year that the Ava identity was kind of came into fruition with the was like the I want to say it's it's pink but it's not it's like a royalish hybrid pink color that they have now like it's, <laughs> it's not like because people will think pink and they'll think like the highlighter pink which is not yeah no it, it's definitely been that it's kind of I would say like more of a magenta right now I'm just looking in the mirror across the room trying to decide what my yeah what my hair is I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's kind of a magenta or a fuchsia maybe something For around the- there for the pop culture fans out there, and I know that you've done a, pop, a set like this because I know you're a big pop culture fan. Yes, I but am. But it's kind of like the pinkish color that uh, Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim vs. Yes, the World, the movie. It's very have. Ramona Flowers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess <laughs> I that's the best to, way to. Describe. I used to get referred, like, people would. I had a very similar haircut to that for a while. Right. Um, Pre social media, when my hair was blue, similar to the blue that Ramona Flowers has in her hair at points. And wow. I used to get called that. People used to like yell at me and say like, oh, it's Ramona Flowers, like when the film came out. So <laughs> I'm very familiar with that comparison. Um, it's a good one. I like it. It's nice. But, now, yeah. did you ever, I know I just touched on it before, but did you ever go down that avenue of doing uh, shoots or appearances or even costuming as that character, being like you were inspired in a certain extent by pop culture? Um, I have an SG set that's a Ramona Flowers set, actually. Right, okay. Um, that's kind of the most I've ever done it. I would like, to, I would probably, I'd, I would definitely want to do it for a convention at some point in the future. I would I would have to, like, cut my hair like that now, though. Um, 
So I don't know, or get a wig. Obviously, a wig's an easy, easy go. But I, I would like to get the giant, the giant mallet, the hammer. Yeah. To do her at a convention, but um, no, I've only ever done the the SG set, which was oh, really okay. fun and really cute and went really well on the side. I didn't think people would be super into it, but they were. So that was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I never think people will be into anything. I always, like, when a set's going up, I'm like, no one's going to like it. Everyone's going to hate it. But Really? Y- yeah. I think everyone has that that moment of just, like, doubt. Of, like, maybe it's not as good as I thought it was. But, yeah. Is, is that a comparison doubt or is that just a personal doubt? Like, I mean, a comparison doubt is in, like, oh, that other person's set's so good. I don't think mine's going to be seen. Or is it, like, a personal thing where you go, oh, I don't know. Like, I've looked at these photos for so long. I guess I'll put them out there and. It's a bit of both, I think. Okay. Like, I think yeah. because they're the site, while the community isn't super competitive, especially in Australia, like I've never felt like I'm competing with my friends. Like I've always felt like the people I've met in SG, um, who I've vibed with are peers. I've never felt like I'm competing with them. But when you're on the site and you're looking through it, obviously there are still numbers. You see that X amount of people have liked a set. And you kind of occasionally you see one and you're like, oh, wow, 5,000 people have liked that. I'm never going to have a set with 5,000 likes on it. But right. um, you, you kind of – there are moments of that. It's not the overwhelming majority of the time, but there are moments of like – it doesn't – yeah, there's that. <laughs> I don't you, think I need to go further into it, but yeah. No. Do you, have you had a very extremely liked set that you thought, I don't know if this is going to do well, and you were surprised by the reception that it's got? Probably the Ramona Flowers set, actually. I right. um, There was, weirdly enough, like I, the, the set came out over a year after it was shot just because time works that way sometimes. You know, it takes time to edit things and people have busy lives and I had other stuff coming out and blah, 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 et cetera. Sure. But yeah. a month before it went on the site, um, another girl shot a Ramona Flowers set. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because obviously popular character. Um, yeah. Yep. Another girl shot it. She had blue hair. Uh, so different versions of Ramona. It's fine. Um, mm-hmm. Magnia, for anyone who's listening who wanted to look that up. But um, Magnia Suicide shot a Ramona Flower set, even in a similar setting. I think they were both on white beds as well. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. And I was like, okay, people are just going to think I'm copying her, even though I couldn't have because of the timelines of like how the website's queued. Like there's no physical way, but people would still draw that conclusion because it's the internet and people – you know decide what they want to know <laughs> yeah, yeah so but it was fine everyone was super happy with it everyone liked it so yeah well it all turned out for the best and hey you never know if that set hadn't come out beforehand may and may not have helped when your set came out yeah and, and vice versa absolutely and it's like it is that kind of thing where like I you, ha- you obviously like any website that has literally dozens of thousands of women you're going to have people who clash and don't agree Mm. on things but for the most part it is really nice I've seen at least five Misty from Pokemon sets at least (laughs) and they're all really well loved they're all totally well loved and everyone's really happy with them like it's there's a lot of stuff like that where multiple people have done it and it's it's fine because I think we can all accept that it it doesn't come from trying to overtake the other person it comes from usually a genuine love of that character and like wanting to portray them and put something cool out into the world so is that where your love of pop culture came from scott pilgrim or did that start long before that yeah i've always been a i've always been a pop culture girl like i've always played video games uh comic books came a lot later but i've always been a video game girl so xbox pc or playstation 
PlayStation for the most yeah. part. Yeah, I my since, first since console PS1? was a PS1. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> what was the first game you had? Spyro. It was Gateway to Glimmer, I think. Did you get the remaster? Yes. Were you happy yes, with it? I did. Yeah. I mean, it was just it was just like a little nostalgia trip. Like it it felt so similar to playing it the first time. That obviously, if you look at them side by side, there's a lot of differences, but it 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 was really nice. It was really nice to to be able to play it again and have it be smooth and nice and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I was happy with it. Yeah, the uh, the pixels were long gone. I think the yeah, I was the same. I think I came up from Nintendo. I had the Game Boy and all that. I first... did have a Game Boy Color. I oh. did have one of those. Yeah. So you did the Game Boy. Um, I had. I think I remember. I still remember when Nintendo 64 came out. May or may not be showing my age. And <laughs> That came out, and then I remember the trailer for a PlayStation came out, and I was, and I remember looking at it going, discs? Because everything was cartridges back then. Yeah. And the disc came out, and I still remember to this day getting PlayStation and being petrified out of my brain because the first game I played on PlayStation 1 was Oddworld Abe's Odyssey. And <laughs> I'm aware of that, all right? Yep, yep, yeah. yep. <laughs> and that game, as a kid, freaked me out because I'm seeing yeah, it would. with, like, with like a stitched up mouth and it's like this is rapture farms like it was just yeah. insane but super, hey super out there yeah thankfully i discovered crash and spyro not strong uh, not long yeah ago. crash was definitely one of my first five games easily yeah and uh you know it takes what is it close to almost 20 years now 20 21 years but they're starting to remaster all of them they've remastered crash spyro mm-hmm. ape um, what was the latest one that did medieval and uh, yep. yeah, no, that's uh, so you're always involved with gaming and pop culture since PlayStation and since video games, things like that. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you a question. This is going to divide people out there. that are going to listen to this because they've been following you for, following this podcast <laughs> for this long, but this is going to draw the line. I may know the answer to this, but I'm going to put it out there on the public sure. forum. Ava, DC or Marvel? <laughs> Uh, I always try to be really diplomatic when I answer this uh, and give like, I can't, I feel like I can't give like a, a single, like I'm literally looking at my bookshelf that's filled with Marvel right now. Oh. So I feel like I have to say Marvel, but I will, with the proviso that it is only because I haven't read that much DC. I haven't consumed right. enough of the DC universe. I, I'm not, I don't say Marvel because I think it's better. I don't, I don't know. I can't say if I think it's better, if it has better writers or <laughs> stories overall, but it is what I fell in love with, with comics first. Like it, it has the most special place in my heart and it's definitely, it's the universes that I feel really comfortable picking up a book and reading regardless of what character it is or what writer it is. So, right. It's, yeah. That was it's, a very. It's my space. Uh, that was a very. <laughs> at the beginning, that was a very politician-style answer to uh, the Marvel DC question. Well, it's it's the truth. Like, because I know I feel like because it is it is that question. Like you said, it's like that really divisive thing, and like people assume that if you prefer one, that you must hate the other, yeah. and it's not that at all. Um, I I don't hate DC. I look forward to reading more DC one day, but I just I fell into Marvel, and I really went down a rabbit hole of that, and. Obviously, MCU is a huge thing that has been a huge part of a lot of people's lives. So I've mm. seen all of those films as well. And I just, I know the Marvel Universe really well. Do you have a favorite MCU yeah. film? Oh, um, I want, like, my favorite Marvel films probably aren't MCU. My favorite MCU films, I, I really like Doctor Strange. I think that's one that people don't talk about very much. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really, really good movie. And I think a lot of people who don't care about it should go back and watch it and appreciate it more. Um, yeah. I think Infinity War is, I don't know if it's my favorite, but I think it's one of those films that, like, it sounds so hyperbolic, but it is so once in a generation to have an event like that where, like, even people who didn't know the Marvel Universe kind of wanted to see what happened, kind of wanted to see what were going, what was going on. Yeah. So I don't know if it's my favorite, but it definitely has, like, a real special place for me. Did you prefer Infinity War over Endgame, or was it even? Um. I think I preferred Infinity War, but I don't know if I think it was better. Like, I love both. I think they're probably, like, from, I, I think they're probably equally good films. Yeah. But Endgame, uh, but Infinity War was just, it was it was the first one. It was that, like, crazy shock of, I mean, I don't think I need to really be worried about spoilers at the moment. But in case, yeah. the, the end of that film was obviously very, very shocking. Mm. Um, so I think in terms of, like, emotional impact, it definitely, like, hit a bit harder mm. for me. Um, even though obviously end games, it's, it's whole own emotional journey. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of emotion with the MCU, I found not only infinity war and end game were emotional because of that 10 year history of having all those MCU films come out and being Mm -hmm. an avid fan like yourself and watching all those movies, going to the cinemas and following the storylines along. But I was always a fan of, and I'm, I'm definitely not alone with this, but I was always a fan of the MCU version of Wolverine. I thought Hugh Jackman did a stellar job. Yeah. I thought the trailer, the trailers rather, of and the movie itself to Logan was yeah absolutely, it was so cinematically and creatively different compared to, mm-hmm. I guess, the world of colour, I want to say, that the MCU yeah. was, which is Iron Man telling jokes. They're all doing battles yeah. and it's all... But no one's sort of – it's not gritty. Like, no one's being, quote-unquote, mm. killed as graphically as, say, In that sort of Logan. Way. yeah. And to see that journey, because it was derived from the comic. There were certain changes yes. that they did to cinematically make it what it was. Um, but, man, that movie – It's one of my favourite films ever, actually. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I, I'm totally in agreement. It's one of mine, too, because you go into it and you can literally take anyone and – Sure, there's a history there, but it doesn't feel like a comic book movie. No, it doesn't. And it, like, I think it's it's a real. I definitely. I think it's a real shame that Fox got absorbed by by Marvel and by Disney um, because I think that they were doing something really exciting. They were doing really interesting, different stuff with their comic book films, with their part of the Marvel universe. Like, obviously, Deadpool is Fox as well. Um, and while Deadpool is still jokey and feels a bit more comic book, it was still different. And then Logan again was very, very different. And yeah. I was excited about what they were doing. And I mean, New Mutants may not even ever come out. <laughs> yeah. But that again seemed quite different. That's meant to be like a horror film set in the Marvel universe. So mm. it, um, they were doing some real exciting stuff, and it's a shame they got absorbed. But Logan in particular is a real gem. It's a real masterpiece of a film. I, I, yeah, definitely. I, de- I like, I haven't cried watching that many films. I'm not a crier, but I definitely remember being very choked up watching that in cinema. I'll never forget that scene where Charles is having, and again, spoiler if you haven't seen it, hey, you've had time, but. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. That, um, that scene where Charles is having one of his headache sort of stroke situations yeah. and everyone is frozen and Wolverine's fighting through that. Yeah. He's fighting through the lobby and goes up to the elevator and, Man, that scene, I think even though like him def- 
killing all the bad guys was like, oh, like it's it's so intense to sort of watch. But I found the bit where he's sort of punching through the walls just to climb up to where they are. I found that to be like, man, that's like just that bit, like he's that absolute struggle of getting into that room yeah. and having to punch your way and sort of claw your way through a wall just to get up to the door. I was like, man, this is this is intense. And they did it really, really well. But Absolutely. He's an incredible actor. I, I think, like, I mean, I, I highly doubt that for a very long time they would even touch Wolverine as a character in mm-hmm. the MCU because Hugh Jackman did such an amazing job of that character and inhabited that character so well. And I, I don't think anyone who's watched, especially like Logan or, or really any of the other X-Men films could imagine anyone else playing him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking, no, of X- speaking of X-Men though, yes. and I know, I don't know, I know that you're a fan of the Deadpool character. Yes. Would, would you say it's your favorite? I think he's probably, he's, he's at least in my top three comic book characters, if not my favorite. Okay. But I've definitely read more Deadpools than anything else. I am currently staring, like, looking ahead at my bookshelf, and, a, like, I have a full shelf that is just Deadpool comics. Okay, so you hate um, that character, so... Yeah, clearly. <laughs> now... I've got him tattooed on me. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's how much hate I hate him. Yeah, yeah. I hate it. You want Batman, I gave you Deadpool. Um, <laughs> are, you, are you holding out for the... Uh, I know... I know Ryan Reynolds is, is pumping out his aviation gin. He's trolling Hugh Jackman for years. Do you think, in your personal opinion, as a fan, not only of pop culture but of Deadpool, do you think that they'll ever, ever do the Wolverine-Deadpool crossover that they want to do? I don't think so. I don't yeah. think it's going to happen. And I only think that because Hugh Jackman has been fairly vocal on saying, no, it's not going to happen. Um, I mean, Ryan Reynolds is a very convincing, convincing man, so... If it happened, it certainly wouldn't surprise me, but I don't think it will, as much as we'd all like it to. Man, I, I fingers crossed that it comes comes full full circle. But, hey, speaking of full circle, we've been talking about Marvel for some while. <laughs> a while. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to your story. So we're hitting 2015 now. You're developing your stride. You have your group photo session. You're starting to find your tribe here. You're feeling like, hey, I've got a little bit of identity thing going on here. I'm starting to find my tribe. I'm feeling accepted. I'm I'm ticking all these green lights. I'm ticking all these green boxes, hitting all these green lights. 2016 happens. Yes. What happens in 2016 that not so much stops you from modeling in the sense of I'm out of here, I'm done with it, but in the best way possible, what happens in 2016? Um, so it would be April 2016. I right. found out that I was pregnant. Hey, so – yeah. Obviously now, four years later, four years later, your kid is uh, three turning four? Yes, it'll be four in December, yeah. Right, so this process now, are you are you sort of like, uh, what is the mindset for that? Because you've, you've just started to get on this sort of role with, with Suicide Girls. You've been developing this trend, and then the pregnancy comes in. Are you uh, not so much annoyed by the fact, but are you sort of like, a bit like, oh, damn, I'm going to have to stop for a while? Like, what was your mind process? Because that is a, a blessing, but it's also a, a, a somewhat of a temporary stoppage to what you were doing, and you were on such a streak at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a, a lot of people t- work through pregnancy. There are there are sets up on the site where women are pregnant. Um, a lot of people in the adult industry work for as long as they can um, until they are visibly pregnant. 
Right. I was really unwell. I had a really, really horrible morning sickness. I was working part-time in an adult store and I had to, or close to full-time, about like 35 hours a week, and I had to quit um, because I couldn't even really stand up. I spent probably the first like few, three months, three to four months of pregnancy not really getting out of bed. Um, right. So it kind of, I, I was in such a state that I don't think I even really thought about it. I think I just kind of was like, okay, my entire focus was on incubating a human and trying to survive right now. <laughs> and that was kind of it. Um, right. I, I, it, it's rough. Pregnancy is just a rough time. Like even if it, even if you have the best one possible, it's just difficult. Yeah. Um, so it kind of, it did feel like a setback a little bit. Like I, I would see my friends doing things and I kind of be like, well, I'm definitely too pregnant to be doing that. And mm. All that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know. Like it it kind of just feels like a blur now, honestly. Yeah. It, it barely feels like, yeah. It, 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 was, it was a big interruption. It was a big interruption and a big change. Did you ever think during that time that, man, I don't know if I'm going to go back to modelling or was that always that light at the end of the tunnel like, hey, not only am I going to have a new kid in my life with my partner, everything's going to come up all green lights, but – I'm going to get back into modeling or was that a thought of, man, I don't know, like were you uncertain during that time that you'd ever sort of get back into it? I always knew that I would keep modeling. I always knew yeah. that I'd keep doing it, but yeah. I definitely had doubts about how successful I would be. Mm-hmm. I definitely went into it being like, okay, I'm going to come out of this and SG isn't going to want to buy my sets anymore. And I'll keep doing it because I love the community and I love the form of creative expression, but I didn't expect anyone to really be on board with me anymore. Um, because I like I lost I I think like I I had a I did have a following on social media obviously at that point mm-hmm. um I I think I lost like twenty thousand followers over the course of my pregnancy did you like announce it and then you did you announce your pregnancy and then you found that drop yes I I did wow. and I didn't have a huge I had a quite a big drop straight away and then more and more just kept dropping off um because I I wasn't a fantasy for a lot of people anymore and that's that's part of what you sell in adult entertainment online like you you're selling some idea of a fantasy and that that wasn't it for a lot of people so they left so that gave me doubts and I you know would have people being like oh you've ruined your perfect body and you know nasty people who are resentful and rude people send you messages like that oh I mean I if you're if you're online in any sort of capacity especially if you're naked and being very vulnerable online you're just going to get people being assholes but I did have a lot of that. I had a lot of people being like, you've ruined your body. There goes your modeling career. What are you going to do now? Your tits are going to be so saggy, blah, 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 blah. So I, I kind of like, I I always knew that I would keep doing it because like I said, I, I, I love it. I could look any way and mm. I would I would still model regardless of what happened to my appearance because I I genuinely enjoy it and I enjoy the people it connects me with. But um, I didn't think I'd have any success, honestly. Right, because it comes yeah. back to what we were saying earlier, where it's it's that persona is what people see, but then when the pregnancy gets announced, it's now a case of oh, this is a real person now. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that sort of that sort of defeats people's, I guess, character and perception of you. They go, oh wait, hang on, she has a life. Oh uh, yeah, and I'm I'm not yeah. into this. Uh, and they sort of oh, how dare you? Oh, you, ru- you ruined it. Yeah. I mean, 
be so hypocritical if it was them in that position with you. They'd be like, this is great. But because it's not them and it's now it's a human being, to them they go, oh, gross, this is so on. This is yeah. not what I want to do. This is not <clears throat> what I want to signed up for. I mean, it's so yeah. – it must have been so difficult because not only are you thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get behind in front of the camera, behind the camera, but in front of the camera ever again. And then you got these messages, 20,000. I mean, yeah, that's, so it's a, it's crazy. hard. It definitely like, I think you can be the strongest human in the world, but when you, yeah. when you see something like that happen, it's very hard not to have doubts about how you're presenting yourself and like what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, that's whew, what a hit. So, all right. So the announcement gets made. You go through the process of pregnancy. You were saying you're unwell for some time, but you, you get through it. Um, how unwell did you get though? Was there ever was there ever a situation where it was like, yo, this, I don't know what's going to happen with this pregnancy, or was it just, you know, the, uh, the the occasional pregnancy sickness, but it was just kind of elevated, or was there some real dire situations there where it was like, uh, this is looking a bit really serious now? Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. I I was quite underweight when I fell pregnant. So I had a doctor okay. who was pushing me to put on weight. Um, and I couldn't because I was, I wasn't able to eat anything. I wasn't mm -hmm. even able to smell food. Um, and right. with everything going on, like not being able to work, not being really able to study, I did have like some depression issues during pregnancy because it's really hard not to be depressed when you can't do anything besides want to vomit. Um, <laughs> yeah. so there, it was definitely like, it was definitely a bit dark at times in terms of like, how am I getting through this? But uh, you know, human body is an amazing thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so of course I did, but yeah, it's a tough so you, one. Yeah. So that's some, uh, that's some dire times there where it's looking like a bit intense to, for lack of a better term during those yeah. nine months. Absolutely. But, Hey, much like going through those processes many years ago where it was a tough time for you, you came out of it on the other side, you give birth to your child, and so you're going through, you're now being a mum then, did life, because yes. a lot of people that I've interviewed on this podcast have said, man, everything changed when I became a dad, everything changed when I became a mum. Did life really sort of change for you at that point where you're like, wow, this is my child, I'm now a mum now? Did it, did it sort of hit you straight away or was it like a process where it kind of developed over time? Because some people get it like a week or so later or sometimes a month yeah. later where they go, wow, I'm actually a parent now. Some people I get it think the, the it day off. Yeah. The first kind of like few months were just kind of – the first few months, not that long. The first probably like couple of weeks were just a bit of a blur. And I think they're like – I mean, I think a lot of people who are parents say that as well because you're not getting any sleep. Um, and when you're not getting any sleep, everything blurs together anyway. But it, it's kind of that like – I, I knew I was like a mother, but you just kind of go into this drive of like, my only purpose is to feed this child and make sure this child is safe. So for, you know, that first couple of weeks, that's all I was doing. I was, I was breastfeeding and pumping and making sure this kid was eating and sleeping. And that was kind of my entire life. Mm. So it kind of, I think it, I, I reckon like around the first month was when I kind of started to be like, okay, I am a mother. I also like have other things in my life. This is my child and this is how I'm figuring this into my identity, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Right. So it took a, took like a month, couple of months for you to sort of, it sort of resonate and sink in that, oh, wow, like I'm actually a mum now. Yeah. For it to kind of, for me to kind of like, I guess, contextualize it. Mm. in terms of my life yeah yeah definitely 
Did that change your modeling process at all, knowing that you're a parent now, or did that drive you to go, man, I've got to get back into this because I know it's a, it's something that I'm really passionate about and I'm more fired up now that I have a kid. Like I really want to make a name and support my family now. Yeah, I um, I I was hesitant, like for for a couple of reasons. Like, I mean, obviously, like my my body was incredibly different directly post pregnancy. Everyone's is. Um, I also had dyed my hair pink, um, which is different. And I was as silly as it sounds, really concerned as to how people would react to me being pink haired instead of blonde haired on like SG and whatever. Yeah. Um, and I cut a lot of my hair off because a lot of it fell out. <laughs> oh, okay. It's another wow. wonderful pregnancy thing, but mm-hmm. um. I I kind of wanted to make a point out of it, out of continuing to model because a lot of there are pl- there are many 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 SGs who have had children, um, and some of them are open about it and some aren't. So I'm not gonna chuck any names out there because I can never remember who <laughs> who is public about having a family and who isn't. But a lot of girls wait quite a while before they shoot sets again. So a lot of girls will you know take a break while they're pregnant having a kid. And then wait until they kind of look a bit closer to how they did before, until they've like shrunk a few sizes or whatever it means to them, um, and then kind of have a comeback set. And I really wanted to fight against that. I've always been like a bit of a like, as obviously like body positivity is for for everyone, but I always felt a bit. I guess hypocritical. I don't know. I don't think that's the right term, but it always feels a bit weird talking about it when I understand that I am, I'm, I'm white and I'm conventionally attractive in a certain way. So it feels weird being like body positivity, but also not being a group that is marginalized by those ideals. Uh, Mm. If that makes sense. But I kind of saw an opportunity in it to show a genuine post-pregnancy body. Mm-hmm. Um, because that wasn't something that I'd seen a lot of in my part of the internet. So I, I shot a set around three months, um, after having a kid and we didn't edit any of it. So that was a really big choice. That was my first set back. Um, and I originally thought that I was just going to wait forever, but I really missed modeling. And so, yeah, I shot a set that like has all of my stretch marks and like, I was, quite a bit larger and all sorts of everything going on and we left it completely unretouched and submitted it that way um so that was my like break back into modeling because I kind of went like if I can do this then everything after is going to be a piece of cake and then I will have put out a set that's genuine and real and not trying to hide the fact that I've had a kid because that was kind of important to me was that a creative decision that you had made or was it a decision that the photographer had made because that's something not a lot of people do. I mean, it's sort of a thing now. Like, there's some glamorized photo shoots where a lot of pregnant celebrities will do like a big shoot, saying like, "We're yeah. we're all pregnant together." But for someone in the alternate model scene, and although people do photos, as you were saying, while they're pregnant, things like that. Yeah. A lot of the time, there are sometimes. I'm not saying every shoot because I don't want to pigeonhole people yeah. here. But sometimes, some shoots is like you know a slight touch on some blemishes, but. It's like, oh, look, it's untouched, but you can tell, like, there's maybe yeah, been a little of bit of alternate things done there. Yeah. And that's and fine, but f- for you to make that creative decision to go, I don't want to change shit because this is who I am, this is what I've yeah. been through, this is my body, this is what I am am like now, take it or leave it. Was that what it is? Was that just like a, I'm going to see what people think of me as I am now compared to what I was? Pretty was, much. Oh, yeah. Wow. I kind of, I I had been sort of thinking about it and, like, and you're right, like, Suicide Girls, um, 
I think they will pretty much accept any set, but they encourage people to do what they call very light retouching. So um, all of my other sets are retouched, but there's nothing that alters like the shape of my body. It's like if I have a pimple or like a bit of nail polish that's chipped, that's the kind of retouching that goes into most stuff. Some girls do have heavily retouched sets because that's how they like it. And that's Mm -hmm. totally fine. We all obviously have really, really different styles and what we do and photographers have different styles as well. So I tend to leave it mostly up to the photographer and say, Hey, this is, these are your photos. I'm appearing in them, but it's your creative process with what happens with editing. So I leave it to them. But, um, the person I shot this set with, um, she is the Dame of Frank and Dame um, on social media. Uh, I met her through SG, but we had become quite good friends. So I felt really comfortable coming to her with that idea and being like, hey, I know that obviously photographers retouch everything to an extent, but I kind of want to do this. Um, right. And she was really down for it. She was really excited about it. So, um okay. Yeah, I, I was really lucky just to to have that friendship with an amazing photographer who was like, yeah, cool. And it was a really interesting process because we kind of learned to work with light a little bit differently and create poses that were going to be flattering with my body being a little bit different and figure out how to make something that was beautiful and also showcase the fact that I had just been through like a major change in my body. Mm-hmm. Um so there's like it's 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 unretouched, but there's also like I'm not hiding any of my stretch marks. Like I don't have my arms across my body or anything. It's very out and proud. Um, right. Yeah. I just kind of yeah. It's it's much what you said. I just kind of wanted to be like, well, this is what I actually look like. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> and yeah. also to like encourage other people to like feel like they could do something similar if they wanted to, because I constantly had and still have people online being like well I maybe I'll model when I lose this much weight or maybe I would model if I didn't have these stretch marks or this birthmark or like whatever and it's like well you can you can do it right <laughs> so yeah. I kind of wanted to have something to to show people I guess some sort of like evidence of the fact that you can create really beautiful imagery without looking how the media or how certain standards want us to look man that's that's a huge uh, undertaking to be put in a creative process coming out of a pregnancy to go, hey, you know what? I'm going to do a shoot and I'm not going to retouch shit and just put yourself out there because you really got to be commended because a lot of women coming out of that would feel extremely vulnerable. But being in a position that you want to model and being in a place where it was like, this is my body now and I, I, can't, I can't change it. I've been through it. Yeah. I'm happy I went through it. <laughs> but this is what I am now. And to put that out there, how was it perceived? Were you happy with the reception that it got? I I went into it knowing that it wasn't going to be everyone's cup of tea. Um, but that's how life is. Like no one's ever anyone's, everyone's cup of tea. It's, it's, it's not how the world works. So I knew that the numbers on it probably weren't going to be as high. And they weren't, but I was totally happy with that because I wasn't, I was never looking for the numbers on that set to be high. I was looking for positive feedback from people who I wanted to impact, like people around me, like other women and people who've had children or people who want to have children. Um, And that was amazing. Like I I went into it knowing that it wasn't going to make big numbers on the site, but hoping that it would have impact. And it did like people, people really loved that set. Um, The people who mattered, I guess, really loved that set, which is what was important. I've never, um, I think, and I, I definitely know a lot of models like this, but my, I think I was so okay with putting it out there because my intention with modeling as a whole was never 
just to be hot. It was never like just to be sexy. And a lot of my work is that, but I've always just wanted to like create something. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I wasn't too scared because of that. It was kind of like, all right, well, I've created something that I'm proud of and that's it. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the most you can expect from anything. I think that's like, I think that should be your standard. I think if you're proud of something, then it shouldn't matter too much. What, yeah. What the general public thinks. Yeah, no, quite right. But um, I mean, there's always that that invisible voice in the back of your head that goes, oh, I don't know what people are gonna think. Like that's that always yeah, that course. creative judging mindset that we all yeah. we all have that mechanic built into us that goes, I don't know, but absolutely. Hey, props to you. It got a good. It got a great feedback. Um, and yeah, it probably, it, yeah. It probably felt like a huge. Not to say that you weren't suffering from a confidence at that point, but it probably was a huge injection of confidence boost into your system. Getting back into modeling at that point. Yeah, it was kind of like, well, if I like all appearances aside, it was like if if I if I do this now, regardless of what people think of it, I can I can do anything in the future. Like it's it's oh yeah, this is this is the most vulnerable and the most like this, the most raw of an image that I will ever put out into the world. So it was mm -hmm. kind of like everything else is going to be so easy now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And was it though? Because coming off this set now, how long was it until you started getting into the regular routine of um, doing your, doing your, doing your modeling sets on SG? Did you still do other modeling things on the side or was SG your main source of modeling at this point? It was pretty much SG. Yeah. yeah. Because my, my point at, at that point in time, it wasn't to make, money and it wasn't to build up it was just to create and be around people I loved um and I love that community and I I just wanted to attend things and be around people who I cared about and create um so that was all it really was for me at that point and it was kind of getting through that and building up a bit more of a following online and realizing that there was a demand for more from me and that I could deliver it that kind of pushed me to do more all right okay so you had gone through that process now you've come out with a child you've put your set out there you put yourself out there for lack of a better term and said hey this is me this is who i am you start modeling with sg again where did life take you then because were you still at this point did you go back to working because sg as you said earlier it wasn't a yeah. paid gig until the sets were bought and put on the front page no so i um i was I actually had started studying when I fell pregnant and then pretty much immediately stopped because like I said, I could barely leave the house. Um, and I went back into study actually. Oh, okay. Is yeah. This... this is psychology. I, I started a psychology degree right at the beginning of 2016, found out that I was pregnant, stopped and then um, took it up part-time around a year later. Yeah. And are you still doing it now? Like, cause you said before there's been some university times that you've gone in and come out. Yes. So there was now? a whole, I, like, I'm not going to go into detail because it's so boring, but there were a bunch of admin <laughs> issues and parts of my right. university shut down. Um, right. okay. So I had a semester off. So like the last, well, this, the, the semester that I would be doing right now, I've had off, okay. um, which has been great because I've been able to focus on work. Um, and I am starting uh, online as of next semester. So as of July, I'll be studying full-time online. Right. Okay. So that makes things easier because now you've got, you got a family to take care of. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it's definitely okay. going to be easier to juggle work in uni and study while, while it's all at home. Right. So is this t t 2016 now, obviously there must be a thought process in, in your head where you went, okay, modeling at this point is, is great for me. I'm, I'm developing the social media presence. My name's out there. 
you you must uh, I, I assume that you, the hair went back to the regular Ramona Flowers s color that it is now at this point. You starting to get yeah, your vibe back? I yeah, kind of like I I think I touched on it for a second earlier, but I I kind of it was a pregnancy thing, I guess, and I kind of the the blonde hair was part like it was fun and it, I wanted to try it out, and then I felt pressured to keep it because I was doing well with modeling with it. Um, it was what was expected of me in hairdressing. I did a couple of men's magazine shoots and I, the thing with men's mags, a lot of the time, like you get the occasional really heavily tattooed, really alternative looking girl. But for the most part, it's only okay if you're tattooed, if you're also very stereotypically attractive. So I was blonde with tans. Like I, I had really like a really significant tan for a while there. Um, and I felt like I needed to keep that up. And then I guess with pregnancy, it, it kind of, I kind of went, well, I'm not I'm not doing men's mags now anyway. Like I'm not that kind of attractive at the moment as it is. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, it pushed me to be like, okay, well, blonde hair doesn't mean shit right now. It do, Like I don't, there's no pressure on me to have a certain look. So I just, what I wanted, I dyed my hair pink. <laughs> yeah. Because I wanted to for ages, but yeah. Okay. So you got back into the, I guess the persona was starting yes. to come back now. Yeah. Um, you're starting to feel the vibe again. Obviously, now that there's a kid on board and the regular side work that you were doing in the sense of like coffee shops and yeah. and the paid gigs and um, things like that, you can't really sort of leave the house and, and you know, take the kid with you to work because either that's just not a thing and it just makes things complicated. Yeah. Is this where the alternate uh, routes to like what you're established and what you're doing now started, started to drum about or was it still like – I've got to find some, something financial to, to get my hands on because like, you, like you've established before earlier in this conversation, S, SG is a waiting game. It's not yeah. an overnight thing. It's not like you get paid weekly or, or fortnightly like it would be in a regular job. Yeah. So take me, back to, take me back to this point because you, you're starting to get the vibe again. You're doing SG again. But at the same time, it's like what am I going to do from essentially, for lack of a better term, for my nine to five? Because yeah. you can't really leave the house. You can't sort of go, all right, uh, you six-month-old, mind yourself. Like <laughs> you can't yeah, really go much. off and do shoots. So how do you how do you overcome that situation? Because it's not an easy thing to do, to develop an online brand and no. maintain being a, a real-life mom at the same time. So what was the alternative for you to to conquer that that hurdle? It, um, I like played around with a couple of things, but I like, I've always been interested in the adult industry in general. Like I, I, I eventually want to be a sex therapist. That's like kind of something that I want to do, but I've always been interested in porn and sex and human sexuality. Those things that are really interesting to me. And that's one of the reasons I was working in an adult store. Um, and I'd like kind of boarded on doing sort of like porn like things with doing like men's mag stuff. And I got a bigger following online and people started messaging me basically being like, do you have more uh, explicit content? And like, can, is there anywhere besides Suicide Girls where we can see you? Do you do um, cam girl stuff? And I tried camming, but like you said, anything with a kid makes things difficult. And even though yeah. that's from home, I can't really just like go into the next room. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. work that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um. And eventually I found OnlyFans, which was like a really new site at the time. Um, okay. it, it didn't really, it, it took a while to take off. But yeah, I, it was just kind of, there was a demand for it. And I had always kind of wanted to play around with doing stuff that was more in the sex industry. 
Um, so it was just kind of the, it was the right timing, I guess. Like it, it worked with me being from home. I would have, it, it was barely even thinking about like a massive source of income. I was more like anything is fine. <laughs> right, you know, okay. like I, 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 I kind of was just like, you know what, if I earn $30 a month from this, I'm totally fine with it. Like it'll be more than I had before. Mm. Um, it was just kind of like a, a new little adventure to take. I never thought I'd be earning, um, like the equivalent of like a full-time job or anything like that from it. It's it's taken a long time to get there, but yeah, that's how it all started, I guess. Without going into the finances details, just on the on the sort of tip Mm -hmm. of the iceberg here, is that sort of where it's at now for you? Is it sort of equivalent to the work that you were previously doing, like coffee shop and full time work? Are you earning that much from it? I am earning quite a bit more. I'm very very lucky. Um, Oh, more comic books. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) My comic book budget's great. Um, No, I am. I like I'm not earning like the amounts that some people tend to throw out there and imagine that I am. People don't seem to realize that, you know, they do the math. They see that I have like X amount of subscribers and they're like, oh, well, it's this much. Um, And they don't think about things like the site taking a cut and tax. Mm -hmm. So it's less than what a lot of people think, I think. But it's I'm able to live and you know, survive and pay all of my bills and get some comic books. And I'm also um, saving to buy a house with my partner next year. So, so well, basically, like I'm, I am very lucky, very, very grateful, especially to everyone who's, you know, ever clicked follow or subscribe on literally anything um, that I've actually been able to get here. But yeah, Yeah. basically I'm, I'm, I'm fine. (laughs) I'm very comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that was, set up for you um well not set up for you but you set that up in 2016 and four years later you so you're still studying you're still doing the only fans thing mm-hmm. you're still a part of suicide girls and kids all healthy you're all healthy the partner's still there relationship's going good yeah was there any other point in your life during this time that you went out and tried anything outside the norm that you haven't experimented before or was this starting to develop a I guess a normality, this was your nine to five now that you were doing this content, doing the sets whenever you could and maintaining a mum life. Did you try anything else during this time or was this, was this, to put it lightly, was this enough? Was this, was this okay for you? Yeah, I think, I think that's about it. It just kind of like slowly fell into a rhythm where it started to make sense. There's always been like, I've, I've always kind of, I guess, flirted on the edge of being more public with everything and decided not to be. I've had opportunities to, shoot for like bigger companies and to do more men's mag and to do more porn stuff and I have decided to remain slightly more like a little bit more obscure like to be a little bit more hidden um just because I I don't know where life is going to take me in general I'm very very lucky to have what I do now for a job but that could disappear overnight, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it could, you never know when like your know, sites do just shut down, things like that happen. And we, we've had some political stuff in the last couple of years. Sesta Foster is a, uh, a bill that had a really big impact on a lot of sex workers. Um, th- I was very lucky that the only impact on me was that there was a lot of change of payment processing and I lost a few thousand dollars and blah, 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 blah. But I've still been able to do my job. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, it, it's the kind of thing where the more public you are, the more risk there is to anything else you want to do in the future, you know? Right. So, and even as it is, like, I, you know, say I, like, in two years, I graduate with honours and I decide that I want to do clinical psych, which is not what I want to do now, but maybe then it is. 
Um, And I don't get hired because the hiring manager in that clinic has seen one of my videos and doesn't like it, you know? Yeah. That can happen. You just never Mm. know. It's Once you go into this, you kind of have to accept that any job you have in the future might be compromised as a result. So there's stuff I've kind of wanted to do and thought about doing, but I have stayed off the edge of it. (laughs) The most public I've gotten is like going to Sexpo probably. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty public. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And a bit scary in that regard, but yeah. (laughs) Well, Hey, Ava, speaking of public, you've been completely public here on this podcast. Um, (laughs) we've gone through your, your start all the way up until now. Um, you're a successful model and you're a successful online creator You've got a successful brand name behind your image. And not only that. to think of it that way. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that was a compliment. I don't mean it. It, it is. I appreciate it very much. I just never think of myself that way. I think of myself as just like random naked internet girl. <laughs> <laughs> so it's weird to hear it, hear hey, it spoken that way. No, it, that's, that's, uh, wait, that's what it is. And <laughs> Thank you. Not, not only that, but hey, in the grand scheme of things, not only are you a successful online persona but you're a successful human being and most importantly above all else you're a successful mum. so i really appreciate the time that you've given us here today on the podcast but before i let you get back to running amok trying to impersonate deadpool shooting people on doom i gotta <laughs> i gotta do a segment on this podcast that i do with all my guests called a deep dive this is where i yes. ask you some questions that only you yourself can give your own unique spin on so ava okay yes you ready for a deep dive i'm ready okay what would you tell yourself now if you were just starting out in Suicide Girls? Uh, what would I tell? What's okay? What would I tell myself? Yeah. So what if you go back in time, if you could do like a, yeah, if you could go back in time, like very comic book related, get in the time machine, go back to you, yeah. about to do your first shoot with Suicide Girl, materialize in front of you back in 2013, yeah. and say, hey, you're going to be on this journey for the next seven years, but you need to know this, this, and this. Oh, okay. So like, I guess number one, like, smile more. Because I look back at all of my photos and I'm not smiling because I'm really insecure about my face shape. I have quite a round face. I've got big cheeks and not much of a jawline. But it doesn't matter. No one else cares as much as you do. So I'd say that. (laughs) Just smile more. You don't need to look so serious in all your photos. (laughs) Um, Learn. Don't share all your information with all of the people in your life because it will come back to bite you. (laughs) Not everyone's your friend. Mm and I am, I'm just a very open person. I'm very trusting. Can't trust everyone. Right. So that, um, and just have more fun. I think I, w- yep. I spent a lot of time worrying about things and I spent a lot of time, I, I rejected a lot of shoots with really amazing photographers and with other models because I was too concerned about how I would come across and how I would look. So mm. I would definitely tell myself to have a lot more fun with it. All right, so the 2013 you was writing that down. You've materialized out of there. That is some sound advice, for not only for yourself, <laughs> but that's some sound advice for any uh, suicide girl hopeful or anyone out there that wants to get into modeling. That is some sound advice from a person that's been in the industry now for seven years. So smile more and have fun. Yeah, big ones, definitely big ones. Now, speaking of big ones here, because, you know, doing this job is is such a uh, – it's, it's, it is a big industry to get into and it is a big – sort of process to go through and to put yourself yeah. out there it's it's a it's a big deal essentially mm-hmm. do your family and friends understand what you do for a living and if they don't do you do you even bother to explain it like the whole process to them like do you have do you have 
times where you sort of it's, it's a bit hard to sort of go oh I do this and they go oh, what does that mean with my my family it's something that isn't discussed at all mm-hmm. um so I don't I'm not sure how much they're aware of right. I know that I have two um siblings who are pretty aware of everything and just don't really talk about it um I I know with my parents I think it's just something that they don't approve of so they'd rather not bring it up and that's kind of okay. it Um, I have like a good relationship with them. Like I go over there, they babysit their grandchild. Like it's all good. We're all very friendly and like happy and whatever, but it's not something that gets discussed. It's just kind of like a bit of a no-go zone in terms of conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of my friends, I, I met pretty much all my friends through this industry. Um, So I'm very lucky that my social circle is so open and so loving and I've never had to hide anything from them because they're all kind of, they all kind of get it. They're all part of this diverse group. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it is a tricky question and I, res- I respect and thank you for answering it the way that you have because, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of jobs out there where it, it is a bit difficult to describe it and sometimes they're like, what does that mean? What do you do? And you're like, uh, yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's just taking yeah. photos really. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a bit, a bit tricky. Um Speaking of the job you do and, and even in everyday life, do you have any personal heroes? I don't think I do. Um, I I think having personal heroes is like a totally fine thing. I um, I guess my heroes are just the people around me. I, I draw inspiration from all of my friends and all of the other people who are doing similar things to me. Yeah. I think it's, for me at least, it's been so much healthier to find bits of inspiration in different places than to idolize one person. I think for me, if I was doing that, I would fall into the trap of trying to become like one individual Mm -hmm. and I can't do that. (laughs) I know that that would not be healthy for me. So my heroes are just all the people who are doing what I do for the most part. Anyone who perseveres and is working hard to be good at what they do is kind of a hero to me, I guess. So you're telling me you wouldn't want to be in a scribbly comic book music video from the 80s? Oh, I absolutely would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely would. But um, yeah, I think I think you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, you know what you know who I'm talking about with that. I of course I do. Yeah, I saw that. I saw them live last month. No. Actually. Yeah. Was it awesome? Were they exactly like? It was amazing. The same. Uh, yeah, amazing. Uh, Morton Harkett, who is the vocalist for Aha. Mm-hmm. He's 60 now and he's still beautiful, actually. He's aged amazingly. Um, and he can still hit that really high note, which I was shocked about. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it, but it's perfect. So, Because you never know with some of those 80s bands when it gets to a high note. They always point the microphone at the crowd. Yeah. Like, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been a long time. But no, his, his voice is perfect. It's exactly what it was, honestly. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. Now, speaking of stage performances... Shooting is is almost like a stage character. You have the persona of Ava Arachne. Yes. A lot of people have what I like to call a switch or a psych up before they get into character, before they do what they need to do. So, for example, Mm -hmm. guys in the industry, they might put a jacket on, they might put sunglasses on, it might be the sound of their music, gets them immediately into the character before they go out there and do their thing in the ring. For someone of your expertise now, seven seven years in now, do you have have a little switch or something that gets you – gets that persona switched up from regular everyday Ava to I need to be in front of the camera and turn everything up to 11 Ava. Do you have like, is there a sort of a a process or a ritual that you do in any way, shape or form before you get out there and shoot? 
Um, not so much. I think a lot of, I think what a lot of experiences kind of taught me is that I need to, 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 to be the best model that I can be. I just need to be really comfortable uh, as opposed to amping things up. So like my routine is just making sure that I've like eaten something that day because really early on I wouldn't because we're like, oh, we can't have any bloating. Blah, blah, blah. So much better to be bloated and happy and comfortable than it is to be starving. Um, yeah. So like I always try to make sure that I've eaten something that day and I just listen to music that makes me feel happy and I try to not be stressed. That's mm-hmm. it really. And do some posing practice. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's about it. Yeah. So you've you arguably have had a very successful run thus far, and it's it's and it's not over yet. It's still going strong. No. Yeah. But how would you define success? Hmm. I think. I mean. I think is so. Like. I feel like there's no answer to this that isn't cliche. But I think success is if if you're living the way you want to live then you are successful. Like, obviously we have different metrics in different fields as to what success is. But I think if, if you're progressing and you're becoming better as a person and you're happy with where you are in your field, then I think you are successful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I guess that's how I would define it. I I think, yeah. If you, if you are, if you are sound in what you're doing, that's success, I think. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, very profound. Yes, I totally agree. I totally agree with that sentiment because a lot of times people find themselves in positions in nine to five jobs where they're sitting there banging their head against their keyboard going, I hate this. But yeah, if you, I remember, when was it? I remember it actually was a convention and being a pop culture fan, are you a fan of Harry Potter, the Harry Potter series? I am, yeah. Right. So many, many years ago, um, I think it was just after Planet of the Apes came out, Tom Felton. Draco Malfoy yes. came to Supernova and yes. I got to I got to meet him and do the whole um I mean you know how Supernova works. Yes, um, I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to explain it. So yeah, I went up and met him, had him sign the eight by ten of him and um I said to him, um I said, Tom, do you mind if I asked me uh ask me, uh, ask you a question? He said, Oh, sure thing. I said, What would you tell people that want to get into acting? I said, because I do acting um, pretty much every month, the pro wrestling side of thing, but yeah. it's, not, it's not like acting, acting, but it's still acting to a certain degree. Yeah, of course. And I said to him, like, what would you say to people starting out? And he's, he had a very similar answer to yours, which was, whatever you do, make sure you're doing it for fun because that day you'll never yeah. work a day in your life. Yeah. I think, I think enjoying what you do. And like, I, I say that to people a lot in so many words, like, and it's usually, um, it's like like I, I said before in terms of the pandemic, there are a lot of people coming out of the woodwork and being like, how do I be a model quick? And I'm like, you're, if you're doing this for money, you're not going to be happy. <laughs> you, need to, you need to enjoy what you're doing and then you'll feel fulfilled in it. You can't go into it for any other reason. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's – Totally, totally it. Because there yeah. are many, there are many times where yeah, you just sit there and you go, man, I hate this job. But hey, if you're enjoying it, it doesn't even feel like work. Yeah, absolutely. All right, this is the part of the podcast now which I like to call the Lipton Six. This is in tribute of James Lipton, who sadly we lost earlier this year in March, 2020. He was an American writer, lyricist, actor, and the dean 
of the Actors Studio Drama School at Pace University in New York City, where he hosted and ran his TV show Inside the Actors Studio from 1994 to 2018. So, in honor and tribute of him, I'm going to ask you his famous six questions that he would ask all his guests before wrapping up his interview. So, are you ready? the Lipton Six. Curious to see how much I recognize these. All right. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're a fan. You knew, you knew of this, this process. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, Ava, what is your favorite word? Oh, man. It changes all the time. Uh, <laughs> I like, I know, I feel like these, uh, I know these, oh, gosh. Can I, can I say a made up word? Hey, if it's your favorite, sure thing. I don't think it's I don't think it's my favorite ever, but my favorite right now probably from from because I've been playing Doom. I've I've just started in a play in a area called Necrovol, and right. that gets stuck in my head and rolls around. I think Necrovol is just like a cool sounding word. So yeah. I don't think I have a favorite of all time, but that one is kind of one that's really with me at the moment. Now this question's a little intimate, but sure, I'm gonna ask it anyway because this is what Lipton asked his guests. Mm-hmm. What turns you on? Now, it can be in the way that you're thinking or it can be in everyday life. Like, this makes me happy. I'm excited for life. Whichever way you want to answer it, it's totally up to you. Um, I'm going to say just <laughs> literally just people, interesting people. I find that yeah. when I am attracted to people, there is just something about them. There is a spark. There's something unique that stands out. Very often it's passion. So I guess I'm going to say that. Like, when people are really passionate about something. Right. I would say I find that a turn on, um, like mentally and like physically, it definitely makes me more attracted to someone as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but people talking about something that they really love, whether that's like sport, which I have no interest in, particularly in a lot of areas, <laughs> yeah. group sports, not my thing, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, comic books, video games, uh, movies, like cooking, whatever, uh, t- like someone being super passionate is like definitely yeah. a turn on for me. Yeah. Yeah. What sound or noise do you love? Hmm. Sound or noise? I think kitchen sounds, food being cooked. Yeah. Yeah. Pots and pans, I, water boiling. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, yeah, I love cooking. It's a real comfort thing for me. I, I, I'm half Italian, so <laughs> that that side of my family, like the the cooking part of it, has always been a big thing. So yeah, kitchen sounds. I would say. Was that, was that a big thing growing up? Lots of yeah, big, big meals, big family meals. Very much so. Yeah. Uh jealous <laughs> what is your favorite curse word like i'm sure everyone says fuck but i think it's probably just fuck <laughs> i yeah. definitely use it the most it's okay. definitely it's very there's a lot of ways to use it yeah <laughs> yeah uh what profession other than your own would you like to attempt oh i, I feel like it's a cop-out but i i do want to eventually be working in sex therapy and um, sex education for adults. So, all right. Well, to take a deep dive, if you weren't if you weren't having that lined up and you weren't doing the modeling mm-hmm. now, what would you be doing? Like, what would you like to do if those two things went on the cards? Wedding planning, event planning. Really? Yes. I've always thought it was really cool. I love weddings. I'm not married, but I do love weddings. I think they're anything that's like a like a like a beautiful big celebration, and there's food and clothes and all sorts of fun stuff and I like I, I'm very organizational in that way I love mm. um I, I do help organize like shoot fest and things now for SG I love organizing events and get-togethers and things and it's always something that's been interested to me interesting to me I, I think a couple of times I've been close to going into event management and never have so maybe that 
Last of the Lipton Six. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you reach the pearly gates? Huh. Just probably just like a good job. Just like a like what? a thumbs up. I will like literally a fist, just a fist pump from God. Yeah. Like okay. that that's what that's yeah. all I want. Like I don't I don't I don't need anything special. I mean if I'm if I'm at the pearly gates, clearly I'm I've already done something a lot better than yeah. I thought I was doing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like a solid thumbs up. Oh, that'll work for me. Yeah, cool. So it's like God's like the dude from Big Lebowski, just giving you a thumbs up. Come on, yeah, in. that wo- that that works fine. All right, Ava, we're about to hit that nitrous into overdrive. We're about to slam on that pedal Vin Diesel style, and we're going to drive to that finish line before hitting into that sunset and walking off into the sunset. So I'm going to hit you now with what I like to call the final four. Are you ready? Sure. All right. Was there ever a point where you thought? Hey, uh, this isn't going to work. I, I don't think this is for me. No, I don't think so. Really? I, I think I think because I've had so few expectations, I have thought that I would never be able to do it as a job. Like I've thought, oh, maybe I can't make money from this. Maybe I can't create a big name out of this. But it always has felt right as a creative outlet, which I think has kept that part of it going. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever stopped, taken a moment and thought, how the hell did I get here? <laughs> all the time. Yeah? <laughs> Literally all the time. Yeah. It. I, like I, like I've said, I'm just very, very grateful for everything going on and it, it, I guess when anyone thinks about their point in life, whether it's good or bad, it can kind of feel like, how did it get here? Because it's weird to actually track steps from one to the next and think about how everything interrelates and becomes what your life is in that moment. So, yeah, all the time. (laughs) Yeah. At this age, looking back now to 2013, or hell, even coming out of high school, at that age, looking at the age you're at now, did you ever think that this is where you would be? No, I I wasn't even sure I would be alive, honestly. Like my mental health was so poor and I was so not successful in literally anything. Um, no, no way did I think I'd, I'd be anywhere near where I am now. All right. Last question of the final four. Currently, what is your proudest moment or achievement? Um, I mean, like cliche ask answer, but probably my my kid, probably having a, a little a little human that's that's doing pretty well and is pretty well adjusted and is like a, a cute, happy little dude. Mm. So yeah, I uh, honestly I wouldn't have expected any other answer. If you had some, yeah, said something I mean, else, like <laughs> my first photo shoot, I'd be like, no, get yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you ask a parent that, it's kind of I guess it's like a bit of a given and a bit of a cliche, but it's. It's a cliche for a reason. Obviously, we put a lot into our into our kids, and I think we're all pretty pretty proud of them. Yeah. Well, hey, yeah. At, the, at the end of the day, having listened to this podcast, having talked to you for the time that we've been sitting here, I got to say, I'm very proud to have heard your story and to and to know that all those battles and hurdles that you that you went through, and uh, you continue to, hey, just like the advice you gave yourself, you continue to enjoy it to smile and and you're still having fun so uh i really do thank you for all the time that you gave me today because no, uh, thank you thank you for inviting me to to come chat with you 
yeah, no, it's it's absolutely been a blast. But hey, before riding off to the sunset, plug the social medias. Where can people find you? Oh, um, so I am at Ava Arachne on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, I'm just Arachne on OnlyFans, but if you find me on Instagram, there is a link in my bio that has a whole bunch of other links in it. So you can pretty much just find everything from there. Sweet. Super All right. simple. All right, Ava. Thank you again for coming on board and having a chat to us today. Um, I really do appreciate it. And I wish you nothing but the best in the future endeavors that you're about to undertake. So thank you so much again. Thank you too. Thanks very much. <laughs> so there you have it. That's the complete interview with Ava Arachne Suicide. Part one is already out. And of course, you were just listening to part two. Really appreciate Ava for coming on and sharing her story with me here at Little Man Big Conversations. If you want more, including hints to what's coming out next week, another interview coming your way, follow us at LMBC Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and LMBC underscore podcast on Twitter. I'll see you there on the social medias and I'll also catch you next week with a brand new episode. I'll see you then.